Hey guys, how's it going? A few of you have been asking me if you should watch The King Eternal Monarch on Netflix, and so I've decided to start posting reviews of the ongoing episodes every Thursday, starting next week. This is something I've never done before, and I'd love to know what you guys would like me to talk about. And so if you do have any ideas you'd like to share with me, pop on by to my Twitter, that's at TalkShow, and send me a tweet. Or if you prefer Instagram, you can send me your comments and ideas at BellTheFreeElf. Again, this is super new to me, and I'm experimenting on a whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes. It really means a lot to me that you guys are listening, and I really hope that I'll continue to entertain you wherever you guys may be. With that, here's today's episode. Hello, Internet, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Talk Show. My name is Annabelle, and over the next few episodes, you can expect reviews of movies or Korean dramas that I've seen. I'll talk about shows that are trending, and I'll also try to objectively evaluate if they are worth your time. Today, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, someone who has been super supportive when I was writing essays about Korean entertainment and giving me her two cents on the matter. We have my chingu, Jace. Say hey. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Annabelle's not super Korean friend, Jace. <laughs> I really have. I'm really happy to have you on today. How are you feeling? Um, little nervous, but super excited because it's my first time recording a podcast and mm. also first time giving my opinion about a Korean drama to the public. Yeah, yeah. No need to be nervous. We, I'm I'm as nervous as you are. And <laughs> practice makes perfect. Anyway, um, so today we're gonna be talking about um a Korean drama that's literally popping another episode out of the oven as we speak. Jace and I will be convincing you, our listeners, to watch The King, Eternal Monarch. So, what's the title in Korean? Um, I reckon it's The, the King, Yonghwanang Gunju. Wow, but so, like... so authentic. <laughs> <laughs> but literally, it means the same as the English title. You know, like yeah. sometimes they change like, the English mm. title and the Korean title. It doesn't, like, it doesn't mean the same. Uh, but yeah. this one, it's, it's exactly the same. Which, which drama didn't have the same title? Oh, so many though. Um, oh, really? The most yeah. famous one? Oh, oh, I know. Um, It's um Scarlet Heart. Oh. Like, that's another, like, history, mm. epic. Ayu, Ayu. Yeah, right. Ayu and, like, yeah. Ijunki, I think. Mm. Yeah, that yep, was, yep. like, not the direct translation, as far mm. as I know. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I didn't know that, so that's great. <laughs> So just for the listeners out there, what kind of like content do you typically watch? Um, I tend to watch like rom com if I'm watching Korean dramas. I think Sherlock mm. Holmes, Mind Hunter, oh. um, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> oh, I mean, like How Met Your Mother, Friends, those things. But it's very different oh. from like what I watch from Korean dramas, I guess. So, uh, for The King Itono Mora, we are currently four episodes into the series. It stars Lee Min Ho, Kim Go Eun, and the genres include historical epic, uh, fantasy, and romance. So, Jace, first things first, why did you decide to watch this drama? Is it because like you're a fan of Lee Min Ho or Kim Go Eun? Uh, basically, Netflix algorithm just led me to watch the trailer. <laughs> Mm, um, she's Korean. She'll definitely <laughs> like this. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan mm. of either of the actors. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't have known if it was a Netflix algorithm. Mm. Um, I do like um, Kim Go Eun Dori. I yep. think I've watched all her movies and dramas. Oh. Yeah. Mm. And also, I really <laughs> like her um, looks. 
you know, her looks. Yeah, because um, you know, she doesn't have um double eyelids, and that's very uncommon mm. in like among the Korean actors. Yeah, yeah, that's why I thought as well when I first saw her in I think Goblin. Yeah. yeah. Um, does that mean that you like Park So Dam as well? <laughs> oh yeah, she's she's pretty too. I mean, I don't like all of the Korean actors. No, Kim <laughs> Go-eun and Park Seo-dam look exactly the same. Not exactly the same. I think they look um, very similar. Kim Go-eun has more graceful look. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, because like I don't have double eyelids as well. Um, I can get some like makeup inspiration from Kim Go-eun's look. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mm. okay. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, did anything about the trailer or news make you very excited? Yeah, so I recently re-watched the trailer just to like freshen up my memory. But then mm. I think the trailer didn't really say it, like explain much about the story at all. Apart from it being a historical fiction or something yeah. to do with a, like alternative um, universe. Yeah. Um, that was the only theme that I got from the trailer. So I wasn't really... Like hyped about it, yeah. Yeah, okay. fair enough. Yeah, uh, to be honest, when I first saw, saw the trailer, it didn't really look like um the same style mm. as um well, Descendants of the Sun Goblin. Mm. So for those who don't know, the writer of uh, King Eternal Monarch actually wrote the the script for Goblin and Descendants of the Sun as well. So I expected a certain visual, but uh, that wasn't really portrayed in. King Eternal Monarch, well, mm. for the trailer at least. So yeah, that was a kind of like a surprise for me because I really like that writer a lot and we'll go we'll probably get into that a bit later on in this episode. Yeah. Okay, so right now we're currently in what I term the setup arc. So what we know now is that Lee Bin Ho, who plays the Emperor uh is it Egon or Lee Gon? Uh Egon, Egon. You know like how Korean surname E is like pronounced yeah. Lee if you write it in English, but I think this yeah. like subtitle, like they just pronounce it as E. Which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I, I went to do a bit of research because I knew that it, it sounded like Lee, mm. but the subtitles was E. Mm-mm. But then when I went to certain sites, they pre- some of them wrote it as YI, some of them spelled it as L-E-E. Mm-mm. So I was a bit confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, he plays the Emperor Egon and is the ruler of the kingdom Korea. And Netflix si- subtitles this as Korea, but with a C. Um, so when Egon was a child, his uncle staged a coup and killed his uh, killed the emperor, which is Egon's father. His uncle, after stabbing the emperor, grabs his old flute, uh, which he believes is magical. And how Egon ends up ma- uh, walking into the massacre was because he apparently heard the sound of a flute being played. He sees his father dead on the floor and proceeds to kill his uncle. Uh, try to kill his uncle with the four tigers sword, mm-hmm. and he can't really steady himself because he's this tiny kid. And he ends up accidentally slashing the magical flute in half. And because um, the uncle thinks that he's seen something that he shouldn't have seen, he tries to kill him before he can succeed. A black hooded figure bearing Lieutenant Jiang Tae-ol's police lanyard enters the scene and she shoot, uh, the person shoots everyone. The uncle and his bevy of national traders escape, and as Egon was about to pass out, he manages to grab the hooded figure's lanyard, which is hanging out of the pocket, which I think was very convenient. <laughs> it's so convenient. <laughs> um, the scene cuts to 20 years later. Egon uh, is the emperor and a mathematics nerd, which is also very convenient because we're dealing a lot with time travel. And one day he's riding on his horse, he sees a suspicious black hooded figure, he gives chase, uh, with the other half of the flute in his hand and upon entering the bamboo forest the gate to the other dimension opens so he runs into Kim go character which is Lieutenant Jung tae he does the romantic K-drama style I finally found you and pulls her in for a hug <laughs> <laughs> 
Episode 1 also shows his uncle who had escaped the royal palace and he has the magical flute in his hand when he enters the bamboo forest. All of a sudden, there is lightning and he's transported into a different land. So it's a similar... Um, a similar experience to Lee Min-ho's character. He picks out a newspaper. It's President Kim Yong-san's uh, reign as, Republic, as the Republic's leader. And at this time, he, bu- he bumps into a guy who looks exactly like his brother, whom he thought he just murdered. So he makes sense of the situation that he's in a parallel universe. Um, that's just a very brief summary of episode one. And knowing this writer, there's just a lot of intricacies and I would say a very complex world building that she's probably going to delve into. Uh, but do you have anything to note about episode one synopsis, uh, Jace? First of all, that was a really good summary of episode one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. My university degree paid off. <laughs> um, so synopsis-wise, I think first episode was done really, really well to set the scene. Because mm. like, there were so many aspects to think about as yep. um, audience. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there was so many things the author had to cover for the audiences to understand the plot. Mm, um, yeah, I think all you all you just mentioned was necessary, even though, yeah. um, like the romance part wasn't really shown up till mm. to like towards the end of the first episode. Yeah, that yeah. was that was actually a surprise because this uh, this director tends to do this um, the romance thing very early on Mm-mm. in um, the show. Yeah, yeah. Also, um. I think it was done really in detailed manner because, like, particularly I, I noticed in the first episode, um, the mm. author purposely added different Korean accents to inform mm. the audiences that there is no North or South Korea in yeah. this world. I actually didn't notice that at all. So do you have, like, a scene uh, specific in mind so that um, um, our audiences can, like, look out for it? There is a part that Egon was riding his horse and yes. then and then was going to the bamboo forest for the first mm. time and then one yep. of his bodyguards was like i don't know like reporting to his like um senior and then mm. like when he said something it was in um north and north korean accent like oh. um even if you're not korean if you've watched um crash landing on you <laughs> you uh-huh. might have been familiar with north korean accent or dialect yeah mm. To be honest, I, I totally didn't catch that. So, um, well, I didn't watch Crash Landing on You. Ooh. Oh, no, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? I have to do an episode on that a different time. But uh, <laughs> basically, it was just like, it looked a lot like Descendants of the Sun. And I didn't want to like get caught in that whole thing. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, for a different episode. <laughs> but thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the ending scene? Uh, I finally mm. found you scene. Yeah, yeah. I think when I watched that scene, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a typical cliche that this particular author always put. Mm. Like, she's like the queen of Korean drama cliche. Yeah. So I was like, I was like waiting for it to happen in mm. first episode. <laughs> So I think it was a nice touch to finish yeah. that first episode with that cliche. Yeah. I guess so. The Koreans like this kind of thing, like the Descendants of the Sun, like the phone flip, like when Song Joo Ki flips the phone out of Song Hye Kyo's hand and catches it behind her. Do you guys like this kind of stuff? I personally yeah. hate it so much. Yeah. When I watched that scene, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cringy. I want to punch yeah. my screen. <laughs> That is the accurate. That's the accurate <laughs> response to that scene. 
<laughs> yeah. So um. Well, so something I noticed was that uh, while the plot is very interesting from the international mm-hmm. audience's perspective, I read online that many Koreans were quite unhappy with the writer, and I honestly did not catch this until I did research. So this writer, who is Kim Eun-sook, uh, she's the mind behind, like I said, Korean dramas like Secret Garden, Air, Descendants of the Sun, and one of the dramas, Mr. Sunshine is one of the reasons why she kind of has like a bad rap, per se. So, uh, Mr. Sunshine was released in 2018. The plot was about Koreans in the Joseon dynasty right before World War II. The Western audiences, whom I know personally, uh, really liked Mr. Sunshine and praised it for being very intricate and well-constructed. Um, so, I was reading this, uh, I, I would think she's a film critic called Brooks Riley. Um, she writes a very good critique and she articulates that Mr. Sunshine uh, was actually much better than a lot of Hollywood films available at uh, during, um, I guess, at that time. Like t- Her title was something like, Things That Hollywood Should Learn From Mr. Sunshine. And that was really interesting because growing up, I'm always accustomed to always assuming that the best films and TV shows are from the West um, but this shows us that Western culture is not always a benchmark of progress but anyway if my listeners want to read Riley's article I'll provide my resources uh, for today's episode in the description and on my Twitter so yeah going back to my point so while Western viewers regarded Mr. Sunshine as a masterpiece I understand Korean audiences weren't too happy with um, I guess the way she portrayed Koreans well, so for Mr. Sunshine, they accused her of portraying pro-Japanese um, sentiment. And for King Eternal Monarch, audiences have said that they didn't want to watch King Eternal Monarch because uh, it's very it's pro-Japanese and this is like a recurring thing with this author. Did you personally like pick up any of that? I honestly didn't. Maybe yeah. it's because I didn't grow up in Korea, so I'm not too sure about that. Yeah. But now you've mentioned it, it does look a bit like in those Japanese temples in like, you know, like Japanese anime. Mm. Yeah, but I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know until you yeah. mentioned it. Did yeah. you, okay, so personally, um, because I don't think anyone else is fit to comment on this, do you think that the Korean audiences are overreacting? Um, so again, as I've mentioned earlier, I left Korea when I was like 12. So I'm not mm. too sure if I can answer this question on behalf of of Korean audiences in Korea. Yeah. But I'm aware that pro-Japanese touch in the media is a very sensitive issue. I think we take history seriously, especially with since there is ongoing political issues with them as well. Mm, yeah. Okay. Having said that, um, I don't think Korean audiences are overreacting at all because K-dramas are consumed both nationally and globally now. Yep. So I guess they are just worried some people will get the wrong information from the drama, although yep. it's a fiction. Yeah. Yeah, but as long as it's fine, I mean, I think it's fine as long as we as audiences acknowledge the fact that it's just a fictional story written yeah. by uh, an author for entertain- entertaining purposes, nothing educational. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's probably because she portrayed it in such a... I guess K-dramas are kind of realistic in some sense. Like, after Descendants of the Sun, like, I remember I went to Korea at that time. Mm. Was it 2017? Mm. And, like, there was this uh, Chinese tourist who was asking this guy in uniform on the train if she could (laughs) take a photo with him. And then... So, like, with my very minimal Korean, uh, she asked me if I was Korean. And I was like, (laughs) Anio? She was like, oh, like... 
uh, then she was like, oh, like, where are you from in Chinese? And I was like, oh, Singapore, but uh, what, what do you need help with? And she was like, could you help me ask this guy if I can take a, a photo of him, a selfie? And I was like, okay, I know that. I know that word. So I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, selka, kachi, selka. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy was like, uh, the one like he don't, he didn't want it. He's like, uh, please no, please no. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, Chamsiman. Then I turned to the lady and I said, he doesn't want to take it with you in oh Chinese. And she she looked at me and she looked very upset. And then she tried to like talk to him again. Mm. Um, yeah, but eventually she took the photo with him and he looked kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> so, I would feel very uncomfortable as well. Yeah, it's like, well, <laughs> Descendants of the Sun created such a huge phenomenon with regards to um, the uniform man. Yeah. So I suppose to some extent, um, Korean dramas do create the kind of reality for international audiences. Uh, and I guess one of the concerns for, I guess, Korean audiences would be, okay, people are going to watch Mr. Sunshine or they're going to watch King Eternal Monarch and they're going to think that this is how Korea is like. Mm. Yeah, so, well, this writer also has come under fire for her portrayal of supposedly pedophilic relations in Goblin as well. For, for those who haven't seen Goblin, it was a 2017 drama about a warrior who had committed too many sins, and as punishment, he is doomed to live forever until he meets what the narrative terms his bride, his shimbun. Um, so the problem back then was that the actor Gong Yu was portrayed as a man in his mid to late thirties, but in actual uh, in the narrative he's like a few thousand years old. And the actress Kim Go Eun was at first portrayed as a high school girl, and that's about what six, 17, 16 years old. So people are very upset because they couldn't suspend the image of a sixteen year old girl like hanging on to a rich thirty year old man. Uh, and here's the thing. So Goblin was controversial, but it still garnered very high ratings because of their because their key demographics, according to my research, were females with stressful lives and who looked at Gong Yu and Lee Dong Wook, and their stress was relieved. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> so yeah, I guess despite what what she writes about, um, she still manages to grasps a very huge fan base. Uh, well, based on what you know about Korean viewers, do you think that there's something about her dramas that make it um, very appealing? I think one of the factors is definitely like the casting. The casting is always done well. Like mm. even like um, the king, Lee min and Kim go they are such a great actors. Mm. So I think casting is like number one. Yeah. And then second of all, I think it's a good way for Koreans to like ex- escape or ignore the reality for a while. You know, like Secret Garden or Goblin, like all the men in the drama, they're like, like super hot, super attractive, <laughs> super yes. caring, and super rich. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm I hiding think- somewhere. <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> so, with regards to the whole, like, I guess uh, helping them relieve their stress, do you think that um, Korean work culture has um, a large part to play in, um, I guess, promoting these? shows like korea i think it's very similar to singapore like Mm. we work such long hours and then we don't really have much break like basically like work and life balance isn't that great in korea yeah so by watching this like fictional drama it does help them mentally Mm. also uh, there's a term in korea Mm. we say um purify our eye so okay. when we oh, watch yeah. something like really cute or really hot, we say, oh, my eyes just got purified. <laughs> it's 
like Anggu Tonghua. That's like uh-huh. eyes purification or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like many Korean girls like mm. watch Korean dramas to purify their eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that's you, maybe you, that's one of the factors. <laughs> this whole purification of eyes thing, I've never heard it before. Oh my goodness. And when we say when we watch something really ugly or filthy, <laughs> we say something like, "Oh, I want to buy eyes that did not see that." <laughs> and replace with it. Something like that. I don't know. Koreans are so weird. I love it. Okay, yeah. la, to, be, to be honest, la, Singapore also has a certain element of that as well. It's just that we don't say it as nicely as you guys. <laughs> yeah. That was very interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> no worries. Anytime. Um, did you find the king's, uh, the, the way she wrote um, the plot and the backstory for King Eternal Monarch like, interesting or appealing and how so? I think the, the plot has been done really like well, like well mm. written. I mean, I yeah. love fictional like, historical fiction. And I love this whole, like, parallel world. But I don't personally find her style of um, writing super appealing. (gasps) Like like I mentioned, it's just very K-drama cliche. And then I think her style has been adopted in so many other Korean dramas now. So I actually tend to not watch any Korean dramas unless someone recommends me to or like Netflix algorithm asks me to. (laughs) This friend is really grateful that you are willing (laughs) to watch a K-drama for her. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) No, I think I've been like watching more Korean dramas recently because I miss home. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. You're living in Melbourne right now. Mm-hmm. And, okay, now the viewers know where to find you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, despite all her questionable subject matter, I still like this script writer a lot because compared to like high tension dramas like Sky Castle or World of the Married, this writer's style can sometimes be seen as very slow because she has a lot of world building and setting up to do. But this allows her plots to get uh, very deep and very complex. So she manages to tie most things up nicely as well, which is a very rare trait, I feel, because most dramas kind of just end on a very disappointing note. So based on what I know about like all her current dramas, I took the liberty of making a few predictions about King Eternal Monarch and... I guess one prediction I have is that um, the magical flute that appears in episode 1 was slashed in half and this is the key to the alternate dimension. Uh, I predict that it's going to get mended around episode 9 or 10 and it's going to cause a lot of chaos in the world. Uh, and eventually, I actually think that Lee Min-ho is going to have to die because like, okay, no spoilers, but in Goblin, something similar happens. So, yeah, what do you think about this prediction? I think it's going to end something similar to what happened in Goblin. Yeah. Um, but I realized most of her dramas didn't give like concrete like ending. She mm. doesn't tie the notes always. And then also I didn't finish Mr. Sunshine. <gasps> but then no, it, it got boring halfway. You are boring. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit this recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I love um, you. <laughs> Love you too. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. like I don't know what was the ending, but then like mm. people like in Korea, like Korean audiences were quite mad about the ending. They were like, oh, what why? is that? Okay, so yeah, I've seen the ending. And to be honest, like I don't think people should complain because everybody knows how it's going to end. 
it's gonna end with World War II. <laughs> like like you said just now, you know, the writer tends to do things that um that sets trends. And I've noticed like a few Korean dramas nowadays are increasingly not giving a concrete ending to their couples. I guess with the whole goblin situation, probably she was testing it out, you know. She was like, you know what? You know, most of my stuff have been pretty great so far. Let's try this. And then everybody's like, no, <laughs> give us a proper ending. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, it, I've noticed this and there's a reason why I've noticed this. I've noticed that like a lot of Korean, Korean dramas are just like, they kind of just end it with the couples mm. uh, acknowledging each other, yeah. but they don't get together so they don't get married and oh, they don't officially become... I know one example. WWW, so what is it? I know, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Lee, Lee Jong-sook. That's W. Something oh. WWW, the one with Lim Soo-jong? Im Soo-jong? Oh no, oh I gosh, probably haven't watched it. You guys must watch this. <laughs> I usually don't watch Korean dramas and second of all I don't re-watch any Korean dramas but I watch this drama three times. Why? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and then it portrays okay. like such strong female characters. Anyway, watch mm. it. Yeah, so how do you feel about couples that like the story hints at them getting together but they don't exactly get married? I think it's portraying like the the ideas that Koreans like younger generations have. Older generations, they thought the happy ending is always like the marriage. Yeah, yeah. But maybe like in our generation, couples necessarily don't have to get married to be happy. And marriage mm. is not the end of their couple, like romantic partner's journey. I think they're trying to portray that in Korean dramas as well. Yeah, that makes sense as well. I think that a lot of people um, put too much emphasis on, mm. I guess, marriage. And yeah, it's it's the Hollywood fairy tale fallacy where um, they show a couple riding off into the sunset and that isn't all that relationships and marriage is about. Mm. So I, I guess I'm uh, on that note, I'm glad that um, they're trying not to do it too much nowadays. Then. Yeah. Um, so with regards to my prediction, do you think that they'll end up together? Because... At the end of episode 2, Lee Min-ho's character proposes um, to Kim Go-eun. And, well, spoiler, not spoiler, episode 4, <laughs> they do ride off into his kingdom. So he brings her into the parallel dimension. Um, so what do you think, um, Jace? Do you think that they would um, end up together? I think they will end up together. Mm. But not in a decent way. No, in a... What? <laughs> I mean, they will still like love each other and stuff like that, but not necessarily mm. like together together. Just like so goblin. something like Goblin again. Yeah. yeah. Where they are... Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. We don't want to spoil it for the people who haven't seen Goblin. So my third prediction, and I'm just hazarding a guess here. So Egon goes into the library in Jiang Tao's world and he studies her world's history and he notes there that their world's history started to split during a certain emperor's reign. Uh, speaking of reign... It's starting to rain <laughs> at my place, in case people can hear it. Um, so yeah, during this sudden Empress rain, um, the magical flute appeared. And in episode 1, Egon is also rescued by a black hooded figure whom we are led to believe is Zhang Tao. But because um, this figure was just carrying her police name tag, um, of course, this is not a definite sign that it's probably her. It could have been like a time travel thing because the issue that I noted with this is that Kim Go-eun's police tag has a birth year and that's 1990, whereas um, the Young Prince assassination occurs in 1984. Um, so there's a bit of like a time skip there that I think is going to be touched on later on with the whole time travel element. And I actually, I'll go so far as to predict that Egon was the one who saved Egon. <laughs> 
So Egon travels back in time. Like he manages to find a way to manipulate um the flute or something or the bamboo forest, and he's the one who traveled back in time to save himself. What do you think? <laughs> so, I actually thought of Interstellar when the oh. drama portrayed the time travel element in it. Yeah. So maybe Jong Taeul is mm. keep going back to the past. To save Egon from dying. Okay, maybe like I'm, I've watched too many sci-fi, <laughs> but then like maybe like Jung Tail is like keep going back to the past. It's like like a loop mm. to save her this, save oh. his, save him this time, save next time, something like that. Yeah, because like mm. you've mentioned, there is a possibility that Egon will die. By yeah. his uncle. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Was it too much of a spoiler? <laughs> what, what if we end up spoiling it in episode four? <laughs> People are going to hate us so much. Um, so just, just uh, you know, uh, advisory, they suggest like, you know, us talking nonsense. If it does happen, then we should apply for a job <laughs> at TVN. <laughs> so yeah, don't hate us, guys. It sounds like it's going to be quite an interesting drama. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's really building up a very complex world and she's delving into a lot of um, physics and time stuff. So how do you feel about the drama so far? Do you think there's anything you're really hoping they will will do or will not do? First of all, I really enjoy it at the moment. Mm. Especially I love Kim Go-un's character in the drama because her, mm. her, her puns and rhymes are so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish you could understand. Um, I get some like the Kim Kim Ge Tong. Oh, Kim Ge Tong. Yeah. Kim Do you Ge-tong. understand that? Kim Ge Tong. Um. So Kim is the most common uh surname in Korea. Yeah. Ge is dog and Tong is poop. Yeah. So you know, in in like in Western world, like you know, like in the name section as an example, mm. we usually yep. do like Jane Doe, right? For yeah. Or John Smith. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. So Hong Ge Tong is Korea's example for that. And then oh. yeah, and then Ketong is sort of like like a name that we used to give it to like lower class people back in oh. Joseon Dynasty. Oh, okay. But it was like the most common slave name. Really? Yeah, and the Kim is the most common surname. So I think yeah. like for fun, she's just oh Kim Ketong. Since you yeah, don't know your name. <laughs> and you're supposedly an emperor, right? Yeah. I'm going to give you a name that everybody has. You're a commoner now. Yeah. <laughs> and then also I realized um, Kim Go-un says 죽는다 a lot. Like, oh, you, mm. like, you want to die? die? But yeah. then the translation was like, are you crazy? Or something like that. I'm like, that's, oh, yeah. that's not I noticed right. that as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think because like... I guess in in an Asian context, yeah. like you wanna die is yeah. like a very common thing yeah. that our parents say. To but it's us. so weird if you translate it in English. Yeah, like do you wanna die? <laughs> then like all the Western audiences will be like, but she's a police officer. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, our Korean correspondent. <laughs> Personally, I'm very excited for the next episode because I've, um, like I said, I've studied the scriptwriter a lot and she's quite thorough with her plot lines. The writer explores uh, Korea's history a lot and she writes characters that are quite likable. I think if you're just watching it for entertainment, it's quite a nice show to, to just, you know, to peruse. Uh, so for my listeners at home, if you guys are keen to watch this drama, it's on Netflix and the new episodes are released every Friday and Saturday. Um, so here's the thing, Netflix has had a reputation for um, being a place to binge TV shows. My final question to you is, do you think that King Eternal Monarch is worth binging? Or do you think that our listeners should follow the series as it's being released? 
Um, I want to say, please, please, please binge watch because <laughs> it's a pain in the <laughs> way for the episode to release. Yeah. Also, I think when you binge watch something, we tend to understand the full story better because we remember、yeah. every detail of the previous episode. So if you、mm. haven't started already, don't start. Don't start. wait. Wait another sixteen <laughs> weeks, and you'll get <laughs> you'll get a lot of spoilers. <laughs> a friend actually asked me if he should start watching it, and、mm-hmm. I told him just to to watch it as it goes along because my understanding of this scriptwriter is that she's she's very long winded,、mm. so it's good to watch it because、uh, watch it as it comes out、yeah. because then you appreciate it a bit more because、True. like oh this I only have two hours and、True. compared to binge binge watching you, you can you know? join the discussion as well. <laughs> oh yeah, you can you can join the discussion. <laughs> Nothing will be a spoiler alert. <laughs> I just want to say, Udo Han is so hot. That's it. <laughs> I think he's hotter. I so than, agree. I think he's hotter than Lee Min Ho. To be honest. Okay, is this the guy who is the bodyguard?、Yeah. Right? Not. Oh my goodness. Yes. I think his style, like it matches his like look so well. He has like、drama. a very chiseled look. Yeah, and then and like his like eyes, wow.、Mm. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say、style. that. Say that. Yeah, okay. I mean, it was like attractive, but yeah, Udo Han. Check him、He's、out. He's old news, Check man. Out, yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Jace. <laughs> then I guess that's that. So once again, it was really nice to have you on the show.、Um, thank you for sharing your love for was it. <laughs> Wudo Huan, yeah,、uh, yeah, and also a very big thank you to all my listeners out there for tuning in as well. If you guys have any movies or shows that you want me to review or convince a friend to watch, you can drop me a tweet or comment on my Instagram, and I'll give it a shot. So till next time, goodbye. <laughs>